0: get enough eye-popping, jaw-dropping, heart-stopping reality TV.
1: It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up With The Kardashians and
2: The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that?
0: Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one-month free trial now.
3: that we the last of the is done
0: hello everyone and welcome to the Slash /filmcast the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. i'm david chen and with me are
1: Devendra hardwar
0: jeff kanata
4: and christy Puchko
0: Welcome to the show, everyone. Find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at, slash at gmail.com. Today we're going to be discussing some what we've been watching recently and then moving on into an in-depth review of Steven Spielberg's newest film, Ready Player One, based on uh, the novel by Ernie Klein. A lot of discussion and debate about this one out there, so we're really looking forward to diving into this with you guys. Uh, but before we get to that... Let's talk about what we've been watching. Christy, you've been watching so many things. Let us know about a couple of them.
4: So part of the reason I've been away was I was at South by Southwest. And while I was there, I saw a ton of stuff. One of the things I was really excited to catch was part of their festival favorites umbrella, which means it's a film that debuted somewhere else, but they love. And I saw Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is Morgan Neville's documentary about Mr. Rogers, uh, of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood fame. And I was nervous about seeing it because, like... Mr. Rogers is someone that I have almost a perfect ignorance of what their his life was like outside of the show. And I kind of like that because yeah. Mr. Rogers, yeah, he's just, Good he's point. wonderful. And I, I remember when I read him like the biography of Humphrey Bogart and I was like, oh, now I'm sad about Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> yeah, you don't want
3: to see any like footage of Mr. Rogers like. Going, Being a
4: jerk or something, yeah. yeah. So, or even um, even
3: like out of character at all,
2: really. You
4: know, well, I mean, and that's kind of the thing that's amazing. The documentary is very much about how Mister Rogers was not a character for him. He was like someone who uh, had a deep understanding of children and how children can feel scared and lonely, and how he wanted to speak to them and create a space for them using television. And it's really interesting because it addresses things like in the past several years we've seen things about Mr. Rogers on the internet where like there was that whole theory he was actually like a Navy SEAL who killed a bunch of people and he has tattoos down his arms and that's why he wears the cardigan like that was like a popular like conspiracy theory going around Mr. Rogers and they address that it's not true. Uh, they also address, like, who who he actually was, and, and they talk about the think pieces that came out several years ago that basically were like, millennials are entitled because of Mr. Rogers, which is such a weird statement to make because I did not realize Mr. Rogers was on television for 30 years, which means he was baby boomer boomers television too. Yeah. That's surreal to me. Like, I, I can't wrap my head around how long he was on television in this, like, tiny little studio in Pittsburgh. It's, it's insane, and, like, The movie, though, doesn't – it shows him as a person, but it doesn't, like, reveal stuff that's going to be, like, devastating. You know, like people say, like, don't meet your heroes and stuff. It's not that kind of thing. Instead, it does reveal – I think for me the most upsetting story was a story where he really failed a friend and gave a friend really bad advice. And um, the friend talks about it. Instead of it being like, oh, oh, look at what Mr. Rogers did, it's kind of like if Mr. Rogers can screw up like that, then, you know, we're all human and, like – Like, it's almost like you don't need to be so down on yourself for when you screw up. The point is that Mr. Rogers learned from this and that they they like fixed their friendship and they became really important to each other. And it's just a really beautiful movie. I cried through all of it. I did not know that apparently the Mr. Rogers theme song is like a huge emotional trigger for me where I just started weeping with joy as soon as the movie started. But um, it was actually really beautiful. It's, It's Morgan Neville not only telling you who he was and what the reason for Mr. Rogers' neighborhood was and what his purpose was, but saying like, okay, so Fred Rogers has died, and now what? And it becomes this kind of gentle call of action. We grew up with Mr. Rogers. We took in these lessons. And it also Mm -hmm. reveals some things that I did not know about Mr. Rogers in that, like, that show tackled, like, the Bobby Kennedy assassination. It tackled segregation. It did things that, like, were totally revolutionary, but it was doing them in this quiet manner of, you know, Mr. Rogers. It's just phenomenal. I think that if you grew up with his show, you'll 100% want to see this. And I just advise bringing tissues because I didn't. Even though I had been warned, and um, <laughs> I saw it at the Alamo Draft House, and people who are familiar with the Alamo know that you can put up a card to like request food and drink, and I put up a request card that just said, "Please bring me napkins." I'm crying my face off. <laughs> and um, they must
1: have them too. Yeah, right? here,
4: yeah well, they have napkins, right? Because right, they right. for food, and I knew that, and I just, I was just like, I've failed myself, and I'm crying so intensely, and uh, the waiter brought me a full box of tissues.
1: Yeah. That's like great. it
4: was really beautiful. And my favorite part of the movie might have been at, at the end is like the closing credits are rolling and everything's just beautiful. And you can hear people in the audience like softly whimpering this big, burly dude next to me who had not made a peep the entire movie. leaned forward, quickly grabbed two of the tissues from my tissue box and put them to his face.
2: Mm, that's
3: nice. Yeah. So nice is there book. any way for us to see this now? It's
4: coming out June 8th.
0: Yeah, in June theaters. 8th is the release date. In theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: yeah, so it it's coming, and I highly recommend it. Because my fear with it, as I said, was that I was afraid it was going to make me think less of Mr. Rogers. Or it was going to somehow like take away from the shine of, of who he is to so many people. But no, Mar- Morgan Neville was really respectful. It paints him as a person... And it has a purpose. It's not just like here's some. It's just a very elegantly told story, and it's done with such emotional intelligence. I really recommend it.
0: All right, won't you be my neighbor? uh, And it's coming out on June eighth. Jeff, it sounds like you're looking forward to this one very much. So yeah, Uh, my very good
3: friend from college uh, wrote the movie that about him that's going to be starring Tom Hanks. Um, Oh, very. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of Rogers coming soon.
4: Mm, we nice. could, I could stand that. I'm happy yeah. with that. And the other film I I, I want to talk about out of South by Southwest for now is Unfriended Dark Web, which is a sequel to Unfriended. Did you guys see Unfriended?
0: I did see Unfriended, the 2014 film uh, directed by Leo Gabriazzi, um, which takes place, I think the entire thing takes place on a computer screen, right? The, it the does, in fact. Film. Yeah.
4: Yes. I really liked Unfriended. I did not expect to when I saw it. I thought that the gimmick of it's going to be all on a computer screen was going to be really hokey, but I thought that that film had actually done a really good job of making something mundane, like checking your email or putting on Spotify, feel really menacing in a way that was interesting. And I thought the way that story developed and the twists and everything and the ultimately the political message of the film was all really interesting. And I ended up really liking Unfriended. And when I told people that, they were like, wait, seriously? And I was like, no, but I mean, watch Unfriended. It's pretty great. I was excited because when this came to South by Southwest, they were calling it like the untitled Blumhouse movie. And I was like, I mean, it seems like it's Unfriended, too. And then at the (laughs) midnight premiere, they were like, it's officially called Unfriended Dark Web. And I was really excited to be there for this like opening because I was like, oh, the first one was so cool. How are they going to make a sequel, though? Because if you've seen the first one, it's hard to make a sequel. Uh, The answer is that they got a different filmmaker and he took the premise of here are friends in a chat room that are trapped because there's a villain threatening them. And it's all still on a, a laptop screen. That's the only thing that's similar. Like genre-wise, it's a very different horror sh- subgenre. It's tricky because I, c- I can't really explain too much about it without getting into heavy spoilers. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, I would recommend people go to Pajiba and look for my Unfriended Dark Web review. Because I do go into spoilers in that. Because... I feel like there are some things that people should know about the movie if they are particularly sensitive to certain things. I was really disappointed. This was a movie I was super looking forward to because I thought the first one was so inventive and fun. And this one takes the format and then dives into a genre that is not my speed. Uh, it's much more nihilistic than the first film. And frustratingly, it's PG-13.
2: Mm.
4: But the violence is is much grimmer. It's not fun for me. I think that uh, I think that the director... Uh, Steven Susco, who is a screenwriter most known for, like, I think he did The Grudge and Grudge 2, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. He uses imagery that I don't think he understands how it impacts specifically female audience members. Um, I think he's just like, this is scary and creepy and doesn't understand uh, the kind of cultural undercurrent that it might have on some of the audience. And, like, about 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, that's what this is going to be. And it just wasn't fun. I'm not into nihilistic horror, and I was just kind of bummed out because there were some interesting performances in it. Betty Gabriel from Get Out is in it. Uh, And I was super excited. And uh, she was in like a couple of movies at South By. It it just didn't capture the fun and ingenuity of the first one. And I thought that was a bummer.
0: Yeah, the first one was a a big hit. Uh, It made $65 million at the box office um, worldwide, domestic 32, which doesn't sound like that much. But a lot of those uh, these indie films are made for like a few million dollars. It might even be less than that. The budget of the first film. Uh, yeah, like the budget uh, listed on box office mode is like $1 million. But it was a very divisive movie as well. It got a C Cinema score. And I'm looking at Unfriended on Amazon right now. And 42% of customer reviews uh, out of like 930 customer reviews are one star. That's interesting. Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, I I watched Unfriended. I liked the concept of a movie that took place all on one screen. And there were some really interesting ideas. So what I really enjoyed about it is, like, it made uh, Skype lag into a terrifying thing. Like, you know, sometimes you're, like, talking to someone on video Skype and then their face freezes. And it's like... Uh, When you're watching Unfriended, you don't know if your Skype is freaking out or if their face is actually frozen because of some demon curse or whatever, and that's, that's interesting. Uh, but ultimately, I, I did not like the first film. I mean, I thought it was the, the mm-hmm. actors were all, they weren't paying, playing particularly likable or relatable characters. And um, I thought it, it didn't really succeed at the performance level. So I'm a little bummed to hear that Unfriended Dark Web does not fix any of those problems. And in fact, sounds like it exacerbates them.
1: I feel um, like the next one should be about haunted podcasts. You know, <laughs> just like you walking down the street and you, you get to an ad or something. And like, yeah, it's uh it's all spooky. Well, That's that was sort of
4: pitch. Book of
1: Henry. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen Book of Henry,
4: Christy? I have.
1: Yeah,
0: I've, I've, yeah. Uh, I've I kind of want to see it because it sounds so insane.
4: <sighs> no, but... I know it sounds like fun, insane. I'm going to tell you to read my review <laughs> on Fajita because, like, I understand. <laughs> it's like you're like, mm, but if it's this crazy, I should see it. But it's like right. not fun, crazy. It's just like I just. I kept turning to the person next to me when I saw it and was like, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah. What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> is this is a movie that's like, so bad that lost the guy Star Wars, right? So Yeah. And basically. rightly
4: so. People were mad at me when I was like, like when I post published my review, I said something like uh, Star Wars fans, I'd be a little worried. All I said, and they were like, "How dare you!" And I was like, "Look, yeah. this movie C- is so..." Some of counts. us
1: were worried from the start. Okay.
4: I like that you're like Davinder. You're like, I was first wave worried. Let's
0: be <laughs> clear. He was worried before it was cool. Come on, guys. Yeah. Let's not. Let's okay. Look, let's not. Uh, we don't know that that's what lost some Star Wars, but chronologically, that is what happened. <laughs> Uh, Maybe it wasn't a good call. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's Book of Henry, also unfriended, Dark Web, and uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? That's what Chrispy's been watching. Guys, I had a chance to check out American Assassin. It was on like the rental was one dollar at Amazon, so I'm like, gotta check this out. Do you guys know American (laughs) Assassin?
4: I've seen it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you've seen it. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I'd heard that this movie is pretty terrible, but I'm like. You know how bad could it be? I mean, you got it Michael, Michael
4: Keaton. He's how got
2: Michael Keaton
0: as an assassin trainer, yeah. right? How bad could this movie possibly be? Turns out the answer is pretty terrible.
3: Before you go on, can I tell you a, a funny story about this?
0: Okay, go ahead. Okay.
3: I think it was the name of the Tom Cruise movie that we reviewed where he was a pilot. American
4: uh, Made.
3: Yeah. Oh, American, American Made was movie. Yeah. Okay. So the week that we uh, recorded that that review, I had to go see that movie in in theaters. I didn't I didn't go to a screening. I went to uh, my local multiplex, and uh, I uh, asked the person for the the, uh, the the American made, and they clearly gave me the wrong ticket. They gave me an in, the wrong ticket. Uh-huh. And I went into American Assassin instead because it was playing at the same place. <laughs> That's and, their
1: fault. You and know. This, is,
3: this is where you guys all get to laugh and make fun of me for not watching trailers and not knowing anything. Because <laughs> I watched a full 10 minutes of this movie before realizing that I was in the wrong film. I kept waiting for Tom Cruise to show up. The movie starts with this horrific, horrific. Yeah. Down on, on the beach yeah. horrific I was like scene, wow yeah. this is I don't know anything about this Tom Cruise movie but this seems pretty intense for, <laughs> <laughs> for what this is headed toward uh, yeah so I literally watched the first like 15 minutes of this movie and then walked out and went um I think you gave me the wrong <laughs>
0: So, wait. So, did you make it into American Made on time, or I had to go to like the next showing oh. of American Made? So I had to wait. Oh, wow. I had to that wait like dedicated. two hours to see American Made. Oh my god! And you? Yeah. Did you? Did you at least go back in and finish American Assassin? After no. God no. God, god no. God, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, this <there's> Phil. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, this is only really half the story. I, I I wanted to tell you guys the full story the week that this happened because it's way way worse than that. I, we don't need to go into it, but. What originally, what happened is I went to see American Made and, uh, on their a really nice Dolby, beautiful Dolby theater that I have, uh, like right across the street from my house, actually. Yeah. And it's that those new, you know, has the reclining seats and the best picture and sound quality. Nice. Beautiful, it's beautiful. Yeah. It when it started up, even all the pre-show entertainment stuff, everything was like a postage stamp size on the screen. <laughs> And There'll
1: be experience. Yes.
3: Right. It was like much smaller than the actual size of the screen on the front of the theater. Yeah. And I was like, that's bad. And I went out into the lobby and, and I was like, Oh, this is good. I, I get to avoid the trailers and I don't have to plug my eyes and close my ears. Uh, yep. back backwards. Um, and <laughs> I went on the lobby and I said, uh, there's a problem with the thing. And they said, Oh yeah. Okay. we'll we'll fix it. Go back in, wait a little while, wait a little while, wait a little while. Go back out to the lobby. Uh, are you fixing it? Oh, um, actually, that's the way the print was when we got it from the distributor, and I went, "No, it wasn't.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that's." And crap. they went,
3: "Yeah, there's nothing we can do about that." And I said, "Well, were you going to alert the hundred people that are in the theater right now that are that are ready to watch that?" Uh, no, nobody else has complained but you. Uh. It's you're waiting for them to complain while they're watching this clearly. Awful version and they paid the extra premium price for the Dolby version. Oh
2: man. I was yeah.
3: furious, furious. And I said, Well, I I would like to get, you know, I'd like my money back and I would like to go to a different screening that's not in this theater. I said, Is this gonna how it's gonna be all day long? And they're like, Yeah, that was nothing we could do about it. And I said, You should at least alert the future people that are buying this <laughs> ticket, paying extra money for the best picture and sound quality in the special Dolby Theater. And they're like, well, I'm sorry, sir. I said, well, just give me the next showing. And she's like, well, we have one starting in 15 minutes. And I went, oh, perfect. Great. That's amazing. Not me, not even looking at the schedule. And then they gave me American Assassin. So I went in and sat through 15 minutes of this like horrific gunplay uh, you know, on the beach and then went back out and went, not only did you ruin the movie the first time, I then, now you gave me the wrong – showing and they're like oh we don't have another american they were Maid. definitely
1: laughing at you in between the movies <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you think that was intentional yeah that is that is
3: amazing that is that am- nice i love story. it i rem- wanted to say that on the podcast the week we did american made and it never,
0: never <laughs> happened
1: but <laughs> the uh, opportunity uh, never
0: presented itself
1: you but, need to be a theater hero like somebody has to step up i've gotten into fights with theater managers uh, where they try to pass off like bat like your surround sound is not working it's right. yeah. just the center channel like you need to fix this or you know this isn't good and they're like oh no that's how it's supposed to be i'm like oh that's the thing no. That me off, no 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 the no no yeah like
3: that's sorry you're the only one that's complained and that's yeah. how we got it it's like no no no, no. this is your fault <laughs> you are happening. taking ex- extra money for people to get the best picture and sound like I mm-hmm. sp- specifically picked the Dolby showing of this <laughs> and paid more money to you, and you know that that was what I was uh, and I left and I got on Twitter and i uh, added yep. you know added a m c theaters and was, was I was furious
1: furious call. yeah, Good yeah. Mm.
0: well, but you know that sense of impotent yet righteous indignation is what fuels the main character in American assassin <laughs> um, but uh but Christy, you were gonna say you had a similar story. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I uh, went to go see a movie at the Angelica years ago, and uh, it was Mezrine, which is a two-part French action movie. And we had uh, seen the we one. We know Mezrine, yes. Yeah, and I was really <laughs> excited, but it was a hideous print. It was a very dirty print. Like I worked in post production at the time, like I know what a dirty print looks like. Mm-hmm. There's dirt and there's you know grit and hair and and we we really enjoyed the movie, but afterwards I went out to the manager. My friends were like all using the bathroom or whatever, and I was like, hey, I would just want to tell somebody that the print is dirty. I was not like asking for anything. I just thought they should know. It's yeah. this is like a shameful print to show. And so um I had to wait like 15 minutes because at that point like they kept telling me they were getting somebody and at that point I felt like I've been here long enough. I'm I'm standing my ground and whatever. And now my friends are all back and they're like what are we waiting around for? And I was like, "Oh." And like I just wanted it to be like, "Hey, you should know this print yeah. needs to be cleaned and also I can tell you places that'll clean it overnight because that is literally part of my job. Instead, the manager took so long that by the time he got there, my friends were all around me, so he I think thought we were trying to like start a problem and he immediately was like super defensive with me and like antagonistic and said that if it was really such a problem, why didn't anyone else complain? And I was like, "Well, maybe because it took you 15 minutes to get down here." And like he was <laughs> really hostile with me and I just kind of got embarrassed cuz I thought we we were here with our friends. I don't want to put like a damper on the night. So I tried to just kind of back out. Yeah, it was it was not a good situation. And my husband was so furious that that this guy basically called me a liar. Like that's effectively mm-hmm. what he was doing. That uh, he was like, we're never going back there. And I have actually not been to, I think that was 2009. Yeah, oh, wow. it's not like, a great I have not theater. Been back to the theater. It's not a good theater, but it was mm-hmm. also just like, that was really unnecessary. Like, I guess he assumed I was going to demand my money back or something, but I really was just trying to be like, you know, you're charging people to see this print. There, are people are excited to see it. It should be like a good quality, mm-hmm. and it's it just needed cleaned. It wasn't scratched. Like it was just very rude.
0: Well, I, um, I, I yeah. think really the takeaway from from all these stories is not all heroes wear capes, guys. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. Um, but I mean,
4: like I worked at a theater too, so like I yeah. have sympathy for that. Me but too. it's like there's that's that's not the way to behave. Like mm-hmm. when someone comes to you with that, you know, that kind of like well, I don't know. Yeah, like I don't know. That well, frustrates me.
3: Uh, You know, I I remember if you guys look back, uh, I I remember I said I wanted to do a a slash film court where I was the plaintiff. And that was what that was back at that time. But I had almost completely forgotten about that episode. So really, Dave, you sitting through American Assassin now (laughs) actually had a point.
0: Yeah. Congratulations for that. Oh, So what
4: did you think of the movie?
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, speaking of not all heroes wearing capes. That reminds me of the main character in American Assassin, Mitch Rapp, who also doesn't wear a cape, but he is the hero of the film. A minor plot spoilers for American Assassin, but where did, when did you exit the film? The, the opening of this film is Mitch Rapp proposes to his girlfriend before she's brutally gunned down by terrorists. It's, right? And it's
3: shot like on a cell phone, a faux cell phone. Uh, so it, it's like they're
0: no, it re- wasn't. But uh, it was it, it was uh, it, it was all done in one long continuous shot. That was that was something. But it wasn't oh, shot was like, like a, a
3: wasn't there like a cell phone moment thing. There was a like cell phone cell moment, phone.
0: but it wasn't it wasn't shot on a cell phone. Um, no. Or it does it wasn't made to look like she, he he shot the proposal on a cell phone,
3: and then we're like um, in the cell phone, and then it starts shooting. I don't know, whatever yeah. it it was. It's very horrific. It, it, you're on a beach, and everyone is murdered.
4: There's ah. literally a shot through the hole in her chest, isn't there? Don't I remember that correctly?
0: Uh, like, that, it go- the shot goes through the hole in her no, chest? No,
4: that you can see through. <laughs> like, I feel yeah, yeah, like yeah. in my memory, yeah.
0: It, it, yeah, it is a brutal murder. Uh, that she experienced the
4: whole scene
3: is brutal i mean yeah. uh, it's <laughs> horrific and it, you kind of feel like you're inside that experience and he's freaking out because his fiance just got killed and-
4: it's also if you want to explain the concept of fridging to anyone you can literally show them that opening it's like this is a uh, female character who only exists to give the male feelings we all we learn about her is that she is pretty and sweet and they're going to get married and then she is horrifically murdered <laughs> so he can have a plot
0: yeah, it's pretty bad. So, so Jeff, what it. was your reaction after that? Were you like, hey, I want to stick around to see what happens with this guy? No, I think the moment, <laughs>
3: he, the moment he woke up, like he wakes up after that, right? Yes, that's right. He, the moment he woke up and I went, that's not Tom Cruise. And this feels like our main character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all, all of those things are true. Yeah. And I've, so, so essentially what happens shortly after that is he infiltrates the terrorist cell Uh, that was responsible for the murder of his fiance. Like, it's 18 months later, and he infiltrates the terrorist cell. He accomplishes something that no one in the CIA is able to accomplish. (laughs) And he does it by apparently just working out on his own and studying, you know— Terrorist uh, lore, right? So that he can mm-hmm. kind of w- walk the walk and talk the talk.
3: Nobody uh, in the CIA ever thought to do that No, yep. no, Nobody they reads. never,
0: they never did think to do that. And then, so then the CIA d- desperately wants to recruit him, of course, even though he is incredibly emotionally unstable and unpredictable, and often disobeys <laughs> orders. So it, it really feels like a dumb person's idea of what counterterrorism is. It was directed by Michael Cuesta uh, by, uh, written by C- Stephen Schiff and Michael Finch. Michael Quest, a very talented guy. Uh, yeah. he's directed lots of episodes of Homeland, uh, which also has encountered issues with its depiction of the Middle East. Uh, but how, my question is, how did Michael Keaton get himself wrapped up in this mess? He's he's uh he plays like the uh, assassin trainer in in the film. Yeah, but like it seems so beneath him.
2: Uh, yeah, for the guy I mean, that
3: seems very choosy
0: about when he gets in involved. For speed. In? He's been he was in Need for Speed. he yeah. He was in Need for Speed. Yeah, no, he, he was in
3: five thing. minutes of Need for Speed.
4: <laughs> I have a random fun fact about Michael Keaton. Uh-oh. He worked on Mister Rogers' Neighborhood.
3: Oh, oh, just so you know,
4: but He's yeah, in the movie for like half a second. Oh yeah, he
0: wasn't he one of the uh, he was on crew or something. Oh, crew. no, he was just, oh. he was
4: just crew. He worked. He like grew up in Pittsburgh, and that's where they shot it.
0: It, it, I mean, it's yeah. bizarre. He just won. Uh, he was a producer in Birdman and an actor, obviously the main actor in Birdman. He it was just won Best Picture. So yeah, it is. Uh, it is an odd series of decisions. One of speaking of odd decisions, um, I think uh, this movie like basically has. An, so the main character's name is is Mitch Rapp. This movie basically has an older version of Mitch, like an older assassin played by Taylor Kitsch. But in my opinion, they look Mitch. almost identical. That, that's just like a. Like a bad move from a casting perspective is like you don't want people to be like confused about who they're looking at. But maybe that's just because of my face blindness. Christy, what did you think of American Assassin? Face
3: blindness. There's no (laughs) such thing as too much hunk, Dave.
0: Yeah, no, true. True enough.
4: Well, actually, I have a theory about this because there's like a line in that movie that you may remember where like, so it's like that Taylor was like basically that guy several years ago Right, he, it's like the yeah. same
0: character and they look the right. same but that's
4: exactly it so my favorite part is that he says to michael keaton like who's the new me and i was like oh my god <laughs> the guy in this movie who is the hero is clearly meant to be the taylor kitch in like hollywood We're like he's gonna be the next big thing you're like oh no taylor kitch to john remars Mar- 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 and now he's mad Aww. like isn't
3: that isn't that the dude from one direction isn't it no I am i crazy
4: i don't, I don't I have think no
0: idea so. no I
4: don't, my, my one direction knowledge is spotty at best Dylan O'Brien,
0: I think, is what you're referring to, right? I don't know.
4: Like, Dylan O'Brien has been in things where it's like, they kept being like, oh, he's going to be the next whatever, like, he, Maze Runner. And um, there was something else, I feel like. Maybe I'm getting confused with another he boy. In,
3: he's in um, um, Dunkirk, right?
4: No.
0: <laughs> Am I crazy?
4: <laughs> he's in one thinking. of the is- styles. Who yeah, is in one I'm thinking of Harry Styles. Yeah, jeez,
0: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, um, Dylan O'Brien has been in The Maze Runner, and he was uh, in Teen Wolf as well. Ah,
4: they both have faces.
0: Yeah, they both it's have. The- faces. So maybe I have,
3: maybe I have face blindness, like you, Dave. Maybe it's maybe it's contagious over over the internet.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. Um, maybe I, our uh, entire audience has it now. So I think really what uh, the problem with American Assassin is basically like an ignorant person's idea of what it is like to actually fight terrorism. You know that this you can just you can just uh, Uh, train with weapons and and fighting styles yourself and then using nothing but sheer anger and vengeance to be able to extract your revenge on people uh that wronged you and it's it's extremely simplistic and very dumb and the action's only okay american assassin on video on demand right now let's move on before we get to our review i want to thank all the people that donated to uh our show eric from chicago illinois uh dino from norway Julian P. from Canada, and also uh, want to give a big shout out to Jonathan who donated to the Slash Homecast in memory of his brother Nate, wrote a very lovely and moving note with that. Um, really appreciate that, Jonathan. Incredible. Yeah. Beautiful. uh Just in- extremely powerful. Um, so thank you all for your donations. Thanks also to new subscribers, James Patterson Zachary Fry, Joseph Johnston, Yannick Poirel for donating at the rate of $2 per month. If you want to subscribe to this podcast at the rate of $2 per month or throw us some money to help us see movies and put on the show, go to slashfilm.com, click on the slashfilmcast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page, or go to paypal.me slash That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks to all of our donors and subscribers. Let's get to our review of Ready Player One.
1: This is the Oasis.
3: It's a place where the limits of reality are your own imagination. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do, but they stay because of all the things they can be. I'm here talking to all of you now because our future is being threatened.
2: Go, go, go!
3: I just came here to escape But I found something much bigger than myself I found my friends Mm -hmm. I
1: found love And now, people have lost their lives No, 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 no This is war
2: We're controlling the future
1: Find him Welcome to the rebellion
0: Wade. That was from the trailer of Ready Player One, the newest film by director Steven Spielberg. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. When the creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune. Hardware, you just saw this movie, right? You, you just came I, straight I from the theater. Fresh, like it, fresh it, out of the it, oven. A couple hours ago, you were there watching this movie. Yeah. Um, so curious, yeah, as as you're, as you're leaving the theater, what
1: was your impression of this film? You know, complicated. I think I mostly had fun with this movie, and that was surprising to me. Because this was a film I was absolutely dreading. I've talked about it here on the show. Uh, I hate the book. I think the book is like an example of everything wrong with geek culture right now. Um, but I was surprised that the movie, like, uh, Zach Penn and uh, Ernest Klein, like, uh, together. Um, I don't know if Ernest Klein helped much with this screenplay but Zach Penn you know has written I think what some of the X-Men movies and a couple other things Uh, but they've refashioned the story of the book into something that's less obsessed with 80s pop culture and something that's obsessed with pop culture in general. And I think that was a big shift that just made it a lot more interesting uh, as a film. You know, I kind of enjoyed it as a ride through pop culture. Uh, It reminds me of Who Saved Roger Rabbit in many ways, even more so than something like Wreck-It Ralph. Like, there's just so much going on here. There's so much pop culture. Uh, I was, my mind was reeling at, like, how much trouble just, like, getting the rights to all this stuff took. Um, But it's also the set pieces are well done because I'm not sure Spielberg can make a bad action movie. That's the thing. Like some of these set pieces they are entirely CG, uh, but they're staged so well. They feel so exciting. Even when the stakes are kind of we we don't know what's up because this is all virtual and nobody's actually going to get killed here. They still feel really exciting and interesting. And I appreciated all of that. We're definitely going to talk about this in spoilers. And there's one sequence That I think is genius Mm. that is worth seeing this movie in the theater for. And this movie is two and a half hours long, but this one sequence it's like fifteen minutes long. I think it's 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 totally worth it.
0: Um, I I have this really terrible feeling that this one sequence that you loved is is going to be my least favorite sequence from the film.
2: Well, I I know, I I know you, Dave. I know
1: you and your love of fun things. Um, So I, I know how you probably feel about that already. But you know that sort of thing was good. Like there are great little moments in this movie. I don't think it connects. As a whole, mainly because uh, the the lead, like Wade Wade Watts, is not an interesting guy. He is every you know white dude protagonist we've had in Spielberg-esque films uh, for so long, and he feels like that. Like I just never felt connected to this guy. uh Didn't feel really interested in what he was doing at all. Um, and surprisingly. I don't think this movie does a good job of building up this world. This is like a dystopian mm-hmm. world where the everything is so shitty. And, you know, people go into VR because things are so shitty. And really the only shittiness we see is like the trailer park. At the beginning. It's weirdly self contained and yeah, I, I saw this movie yeah. with
0: my wife and she was saying, Yeah, the world building was really bad because you see the stacks at mm-hmm. the beginning of the film and you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is like Mega City from like Judge Dredd or whatever. It's like yeah, everyone's yeah. all stacked up on each other. Then like later on in the film you find out that no, that's just the, the poor side of town. Like every everything yeah. else is kind
1: of normal. Like well, every... <laughs> I mean, the, the, even the we see a little bit of the city later on. It it doesn't look great. It still looks run down. But I would have appreciated like a wider scope just to see like how you know how how is the world faring? What is happening right now? Why is everybody so obsessed with pop culture? Uh, I think this movie on a meta level tries to reconcile with like our addiction to it, but it doesn't doesn't really do much. I don't know. Like, uh, We'll talk some of, about some of this in spoilers. I think it does more than the book, at least. Like, I think Spielberg and Zach Penn, they salvaged what they could and made an entertaining film that's definitely worth watching in theaters because uh, there's a lot of great big screen stuff happening here. But as a fulfilling movie, I, I don't think it's quite that.
0: Jeff Kanata, so curious what you think of this film because it seems like something that might be up your alley. Oh, right, because of all the pop culture references, and you know,
3: well, all. not only that, I'm a huge proponent of VR.
0: Right. And I have right, long,
3: right. long been saying and rooting for this movie because I've been saying that if Ready Player One is uh, a big pop culture hit and phenomenon, if it, if it's this mainstream hit, it really could move the needle on the tech. It could get more people excited about the potential for for VR as a technology, which mm-hmm. I am, am a huge fan of and and really am rooting for. And I, you know VR is doing fine, But I think this kind of thing is the kind of thing that could really give it a shot in the arm. So I've been rooting for this. Like Davindra, I did not enjoy this book. Um I read it when it was when it was out, you know, it just come out, and everybody was talking about it. It was like everybody had to read it. I have explained this many, many times over Twitter in the last few days. I thought the ideas of the book were really fun. Mm -hmm. This concept of the Oasis, this concept of how VR works and this idea of a vast, infinite virtual world where literally every universe from every piece of fiction has been recreated. That's a really fun idea. And And it's a really cool concept. And all of the little uh, nitty gritty about how VR works and the history of how it, all that stuff that you find out in the book that the movie really doesn't have time for all of those ideas I think are really fun, but I found the prose to be so weak and more than that, the relationships in the book to be absolutely just bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I did not enjoy the book. I, I I do not like it, but I was hopeful that this is one of those rare instances where, the film would be better than the book. You don't get that very often, but there are times. The thing I came away most in my head uh, after watching Ready Player One is how good a director Steven Spielberg is. I mean, not that we needed reminding, but he elevates some really mediocre material here just in the pure level of kineticism and visual artistry that he brings to bear. As you said, Devendra, he, the guy doesn't know how to not make a crowd pleasing set piece i mean it is mm-hmm. he is a, he's a he's a maestro he's a master filmmaker and you see it you understand the camera is always moving there's always interesting ways that things are revealed and he's great and i love watching what he brings to this but i think ultimately it really is mediocre material and ultimately the the most ironic part here for me is that you know, all of the lead up to this movie there was such this backlash about how it was just going to be this uh, shallow nostalgia mining. Everybody was worried that it was just going to be like it, member bears, right? Member member yep. member that, member that, yep. which the book kind of is, for sure. I think the movie recoils from that almost too much. Like I wanted at the end of the day, I was shocked to find that I wanted more references and it really feels like the, (laughs) the movie is crafted based on what rights they could get. And that makes sense, right? That's the, that's the logistics of making a film like this, but there really isn't any fun inside Spielberg nods. Like the fact that Spielberg's doing this and it's a movie or a, an IP that really is reverent to his world, the world Mm -hmm. he created for all of us in the eighties. And yet You don't really get him acknowledging that in any real way here. And there are
1: things he produced that do appear in this movie. Yes, but there's no like
3: there's no there's none of him winking at us, which I actually think is a missed opportunity. And uh, yeah, okay. The the movie is very, very different from the book. Very different. I mean, basically the premise of this entire thing is this mystery. It's an Easter egg hunt, right? It's it is a series of puzzles that need to be solved. And in the book, that is really all of the fun I had. Everything else I didn't really enjoy. But the book, the the puzzles that need to be solved are really fun and really satisfying. And yeah, they're member berries, but they're, there's a joy in that. There's a, a fun level of detail in that that's fun. The movie scratches at that a little bit, but I don't think it goes full bore. If we saw a movie literally where our main characters are leaping from world we know to world we know to world we know, I think it would be so much more fun than what we get here, which is mm-hmm. I think a little f- afraid to actually go there. I wanted more of that. I want uh, a movie that's inside other movies and we get that a little bit, but that is the most fun I think this movie has. And everything else is just like generic action film that I don't, I didn't really find terribly satisfying and mostly for what DaVinci pointed out, which is the characters themselves can't shoulder the weight of that responsibility. Like they're not interesting enough or charismatic enough or their interpersonal relationships are are really uh, shorthanded. The fun would be the premise. And I don't think the premise is fulfilled. Uh, The promise isn't paid off. But what we get instead is Spielberg making very satisfying set pieces. So I didn't hate it. I had a good time, but I just felt ultimately that it it wasn't as satisfying, wasn't as enjoyable as it could have been.
0: I, I will just say one quick thing about the references. I thought the number of references was really like there was a ton, um, yeah, dozens yeah. and dozens of references. But I think my issue but, is that they were you see them each for like a second, you know. Yeah, they're or, not mm-hmm. substantive, right? The,
3: the, the thing about the book is the references aren't like, and then you know. Han Solo walks by. Right. It's right. like we are inside this thing for a extended period of time, and your deep and thorough knowledge of it is rewarded. Right. And that's not how the movie plays at all. Even mm-hmm. the one time in the movie where we are sort of inside something, it's like, oh, but it's not that anymore. You know. Mm, it,
4: it, I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. so, Christy, I saw the rapturous response for this film coming out of South by Southwest. You were also there at the screening I at was. South by Southwest, and you did not have a rapturous response to this movie. Yeah,
4: yeah. I think I'm officially the first person that hated Ready Player 1. Mm. For the record, when I watched it, some of the people I watched it with, they hated it too, but uh I think what happened is and I just if people want to go look at my tweets, You can find them. They ended up all over the internet. What happened was they screened Ready Player One to the world premiere audience. And then immediately after that, I had to take a shuttle to get across town to see Hereditary. Like, I had no time. I literally... So my tweets were, like, as I was on my way to another theater. (laughs) And then I went into a movie, so I shut off my phone. And when I came out two hours later, oh, my. Oh, my, my mentions. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, I hate this. Uh, I... didn't read the book because i tried and i thought it was boring so i put I, I it think down I your
1: your hatred would just set that book on fire christy if you tried <laughs> to
4: read yeah. more of it
0: yeah, yeah well hold on I let's know. just so just so we're clear let's um can we read the tweets do you have the tweets oh. i i have them in front of me i can i can <laughs> perform yeah. them if you'd like you oh dave is so prepared huh oh, you have them i have them yeah so um oh,
4: go, go ahead yeah
0: here we go so this is a, a twitter thread written by christy Puchko on march 12th so just two weeks ago but, like,
4: midnight, won like three hours sleep. Yeah. So like, I was really feeling myself in this moment. Yeah, yeah.
0: So tweet one, she just says, a cacophonous eyesore. Hashtag Ready Player one Hashtag South by Southwest. Hashtag Ready Player one posits a corporate bigwig who exploits fan culture for profit as its villain. The irony of that is giving me a headache. This is no love letter to pop culture. It's a crass plate to nostalgia. It offers nothing new or exciting. And there's one point where it tries to critic-proof itself with, quote, a fanboy can always tell a hater, end quote. K, wait for the, quote, this one is for the fans, end quote, defense in three, two, dot, dot, dot. I'm really not doing these tweets justice, Christy, but I'll just read one more. (laughs) I'm genuinely angry that Spielberg is so careless with his own legacy, slapping in reference to Jurassic Park with all the care of a monkey slinging feces. These movies matter so much to people to just slap on iconography and references like they are stickers on a bedroom door. It's such shallow use. It exploits your love for these things instead of earning it. Pretty brutal. Uh, So now that I mean,
4: I stand by all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People got real mad about that monkey one.
0: Yeah, Uh (laughs) yeah. I mean, that is pretty intense. But you know what? I don't disagree with anything you've said. Um, So, what do you overall thoughts on Ready Player One?
4: I was really angry about the references. I still am. I have a piece coming up on sci-fi where I talk about how I feel like the references are a part of what I feel like the film gets wrong about geek culture. But on a plot level, I agree with Devendra a lot. I think that the they take for granted that you're going to just be on Wade's side, so there's no time actually spent developing the world he physically lives in or who he is, or even much of who his friends are. It's all just kind of taken for granted that you're gonna be on board with this because like he's a nerd and you're a nerd, so cool, okay, let's go. And it's really lazy storytelling that I found very frustrating. On top of that, the stakes are very low because in the Oasis, they talk about people zeroing out, which I guess means that they lose money in the real world, but the only example of that that you see is, like, Wade's, his aunt's boyfriend, who, like, yells about a mortgage payment. But it's, like, mm-hmm. such a throwaway line. There's no sense of stakes. It's, it's so never when, brought like, back
0: again. Like, they never reference
4: that again. Right. Before, as I know. And you know? it's not like when these characters die, they die. It's just that you basically, like, go back to level one, which is frustrating, but it's not – there's no stakes there. So that was all – after, like, the first big set piece, which is, like, the race, I was like, oh – I'm not going to care about any of the action in this movie because none of it matters.
3: As a video gamer, I didn't have any of those feelings because I know <laughs> that that isn't <laughs> that isn't nothing. Like that's a huge that's it's this huge time I mean, commitment and all this. There's all like, this money and mm-hmm. and uh, I mean people have. In, like there's that moment where somebody dies and goes, that was 10 years of stuff. That's yeah, a very I different get it. thing.
4: It's not people actually dying. The stakes are so much lower. Right. So it's just, I. I it's a very superficial level of stakes. So I was not engaged in that level. And that was very frustrating. But the geek culture stuff. I mean, I did not read the book, so I'm kind of relieved to hear that the book is, that they've, they've tried to correct some stuff because...
1: Yeah, the book the, is embarrassing, like the well, way I mean, the it premise handles pop culture. is yeah. super
4: upsetting to me because, yeah. like, okay, I, I tend to subscribe that there are a bunch of different ways you can be a fan, and my big thing is just, like, fan however you want as long as you're not, like, being crappy to other people about it. Right. I don't like this competitive sense of fandom, and that is all what this movie is about. It's the idea that there's one right way to be a fan, and it's this willy won scenario where you have to prove that you're worthy of these easter eggs and that all like puts me on edge and i find that all really annoying but then the references it just adds to it in a way that i find so insulting because like as we pointed out these are not like actual characters it's not like you're gonna you like batman's in it and catwoman here's he-man and whatever but it's all in glances it's not like they're and they're not the actual characters right it's someone created an avatar that looks like these things so their inclusion tells us nothing about the world other than that someone somewhere like that character there's no depth there and worse off it takes characters that you know and it's putting them into place because it knows you have an affection for them and then it's using them in ways that are counter to how they would actually behave and like people are come this is not a spoiler because it's all over twitter and it's in the marketing the iron giant is right. in attack mode in this movie <laughs> that is right. so in your face like, of everything that movie was about, I just find it really insulting.
2: For
0: for those and who like, don't know, the Iron Giant, right, like, even though the, the Iron Giant itself, the actual machine, does have weapons capabilities, the whole movie was about how it's a peaceful, yeah. loving creature.
1: He's not
4: a
0: um, gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah.
4: like his whole thing is, I am not a gun. And yep. then what is he doing in the trailers? What is he doing in the movie? He's a giant right. gun. <laughs> right.
2: yeah.
3: I do want to push and, back slightly. I'm not going to defend this movie a lot, but I want to push yeah. back slightly on this idea of being the right kind of fan because I don't think that's an accurate representation of what the movie is trying to say about what is it, Halliday's quest, right? Mm-hmm. I think ulti- what, the, what the movie handles in a very clumsy way I think ultimately is trying to say that he was trying to find someone for whom that wasn't the biggest deal. I mean, in a very wonka in way, right, is, right. is of true heart and actually has the right kind of priorities, which aren't just who knows the most about pop culture. More like he's trying to find the next version of him that mm-hmm. is that thinks about the world in a very specific kind of way.
4: You have to have a fetishistic attention to Halliday's own life, even <laughs> yes. going through his memories. Yes. Right, right, right. It's like all that, about trivia.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, Jeff, your point is completely undercut by how it is that they actually uh, find out the correct information that unlocks the keys. Mm-hmm.
3: What he sets out to do yeah. is, is to f- find someone that, values the world the same way he does and so the way he sets out to do that is learn everything that i learned and think about the world the way i thought about it
4: <laughs> i mean <laughs> you know? i get what you're saying but like, again it's yeah. ultimately a trivia question it's ultimately figuring out a puzzle box made by a man that you have to be the biggest fan of to win Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's totally, ultimately yeah. saying this is the right way to fan, and then on top of that, who who is the hero of this story? It is a straight white male character who is kind of like the face of of popular fandom and hat like like geek culture for years, and like in by contrast, all the people of color in the movie and the women in the movie are sidekicks to him who basically just help propel him through his quest. Even when they have their moments of heroics, right. he's the hero. It's just it makes me very uncomfortable because I think it promotes, and I don't think it's intended to, but it promotes this culture where fandom is meant to be competitive and inherently that means harassment and exclusion and it's that kind of stuff that creates like the fake geek girl mean and these shades of ideology are reflected in rare lady player one in the scene with the buckaroo bonsai suit where he's right, like right. trying to pick this perfect date it's not enough about that, like that he needs to pick the reference that's going to impress her so does he go purple rain or buckaroo bonsai he says uh percival says to aish like that he's basically testing Artemis. Like, we'll, we'll see if she gets it. And it's just like, oh, gross. Like, you're super uh, into her. Well, if she doesn't get yeah. your movie reference, like what, she failed I don't think it that's somehow?
3: accurate. I, I think my, my reading of that scene was that that he was saying, I'm just going to be myself and it doesn't matter if she gets it or not. My understanding of what, what happened in that scene mm-hmm. is that he was like, I could try all these ways to impress her or I could just do the thing that, is truest to who I would right. I want to be and what I would wear if I went to this place, and then she does get it, and he's like, well, "That's amazing." We we connect on a certain level.
1: Maybe we should wait on specifics until spoilers, yeah, just I, because uh, people people are complaining about, uh, yeah, specific references. But to what you're saying, Christy, what gave me hope about this movie early on is that it has a really playful way of handling those references. Right? It's not all about like, "Oh man, you you have to be." this awesome like it's not just always a good thing like i think the movie is very playful and like how absurd it is like there's an early thing like oh man you could climb you know a mountain with batman or mm-hmm. something like it's all it's knowingly silly at times but yeah the script i don't think is good enough to balance the wisdom right that it's really trying to say i don't think it really captures that and that's really what we needed to make this property i don't know, genuinely great
0: i think what christy is also pointing out is something that uh, I I read more about also in this article at vox.com entitled the ready player one backlash explain which is essentially that like this movie if it was made and released uh, five or eight years ago I think we'd be having a much different pers- perspective on it because in the post gamergate world, Uh, Where there has been a lot of gatekeeping about who's like a true nerd and who's a true video gamer and stuff, it just is unfortunate that this movie arrives in like a very complicated and messy post-gamer game environment where like those tactics have been weaponized and used to Mm -hmm. as you as you point out, Christy, like harass people and exclude them. So I I think it's like you should consider the context in which this movie is coming out and how it exacerbates or improves upon like society as a whole you know insofar as art can do that and and how it like relates with these these broader trends that are happening in terms of nerd culture uh so we we really need to dive into spoilers soon i'll just say a couple brief thoughts on the movie which is that i basically agree with christy i think this movie's pretty bad and i i will say that visually i I agree with you guys that I, i think visually it really is pretty innovative and uh, yeah. Pretty spectacular looking. It it does feel like it advances the technology that was laid forth so convincingly and culturally relevantly in Avatar. Yes. Like yeah. it really does feel like there's some good performance capture. There's a really interesting distinction that that I, I find fascinating about
3: this movie, which is every time we've ever seen this technology in films, it's been to convince us that this thing. Was a live action element that right, right. that it was it was another thing in the real world, and it's so interesting to have it be acknowledged as being a digital element in as it is a digital element in the movie, and to be able to use it and not try to force us to think it's real <laughs> allows them an interesting leeway that you don't criticize the effects in this. At least I found myself not criticizing the effects in the same way I might in a movie where it's like, you know, they're trying to play this off as being uh, something that actually happened and was recorded by a camera. Right, right.
1: And it's, the really interesting thing here, too, is like it's kind of the flip side of Avatar in a way. Like it's at times like we start to see humans and these digital characters together in the same scene, and it was so seamless that I didn't yeah. even notice. Like that that was the point where it's like, oh, man, we are – we are in uncharted territory here. But they're not like trying they're, to get yeah.
3: photorealism, you know? They're not even yeah. attempting it. And and I think there's a there's a
0: freedom there. Visually, the movie really is great in, in many ways, that there are a lot of innovative set pieces. And, you know, Steven Spielberg's 71 years old. He just made The Post, which is probably as far away from this movie in terms of theme or look as you could possibly get. And I just you got to admire someone who, at that age, is still putting points on the board, really like get, you yeah. know attempting something hugely ambitious from a visual and from a production standpoint and and very frequently succeeding um, so mm-hmm. uh, just like from, from a spectacle perspective and from seeing like seeing it in the theater, I think it, it is worth it, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing else about this film works for me, you guys have already pointed out the characters are really thin. Christy, agreed with you that it is kind of like a weird and mildly uncomfortable situation that like, oh hey, all of his like sidekicks are minority characters. But the thing is, none of these characters are really well developed, including the lead. So it's not yeah. like I, I yeah. didn't feel particularly slighted that there was an Asian uh the couple of Asian dudes that that were his sidekicks. is like Well, it's not like the lead gets this like incredibly rich backstory, or even all ciphers. Yeah, they're all ciphers. They're all ciphers. So, so you know, I mean, he is the lead. He's the hero.
4: Go around. I agree with
0: that. (laughs) He is the lead. He is the hero, right? But, but at the same time, it's it's not like oh, he was extremely well thought out, and everyone else was terrible.
4: I'm not trying to suggest that it's like a bad thing that the hero is like a straight white male. I don't want that to be misinterpreted, and I'm not saying that you are. I'm just. I think that the problem is that, like, by it's the conjunction of that with the competition that suggests that not only is there a right way to fan, but a, that people like this own that right way to right, fan. Right. I think if this movie were made five years ago, we wouldn't have this conversation because it was just kind of accepted that fanboy culture was, you know, it was assumed that it was dominantly, like, predominantly straight white men, and that's fine. And, like, now we're seeing that, no, fandom culture is, belongs to a broader group of people. And it's just frustrating to see in this movie. And, yes, I agree that all the all the parts are thin. But, like, you know, that it's, like, <laughs> they're just, they're treated as, like, you know, just the sidekicks that show up just in the nick of time. And it, it's just frustrating. I feel like mm-hmm. they could have been much more innovative with how this story chose to talk about fandom and about geek culture. And I just felt really frustrated.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, well, so one other point about that, which is, like, I was far more offended that the the lead character had absolutely nothing remarkable about him than, than <laughs> that he was like a straight white male. You know what I mean? like yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I'm that, not like, <laughs>
4: offended that he's a straight white yeah. male. I'm right, just right. saying that I feel like that adds context to the geek discussion.
0: Totally, totally, mm-hmm. uh, totally agreed. And yeah, you bring up something else that's really disappointing about the film which is that I feel like it just didn't have that much to say about how we use avatars, about technology. Like the the yeah, technology message right. is like incredibly simplistic and very moralizing. You know what I mean? Like it, just, yeah. it just didn't feel like it had that much interesting to say about, about this really visually rich world that it had created. It, it had something extremely simple and boring to say. So I, I was very disappointed <laughs> in that front as well. In my opinion, the, the central mystery of this film, like how he gets these keys, does not work at all. Um, I think that I think that really ideally you are presented with details of this character's life Halliday's life right the guy who leaves the the keys behind and then like you as the viewer can help the the protagonist like putting the pieces into place with the protagonist and that just is not what happens in this movie I mean it just is like Mm -hmm. completely random ass facts that, like, there's no expectation the audience will know about or understand are just like, oh, it's because Halliday once liked Thai food you know, during this three-year period of his life and uh, that's the clue for it. And it's like, well, why would the audience A, know, or B, give a crap about that? You know, like, it just I don't think the central mystery works at all and um, it being the driving narrative force of this film, it's a big part of why the film failed for me. so
1: Most definitely. Yeah. I, I do want to say, before we get to spoilers, watch this movie if you want to see Mark Rylance, give a spot-on impression of Garth from Wayne's World. I, I thought I thought doing. I'm sorry, Devin. I know you love Mark Rylance. I thought he was
0: woefully miscast in this film. I I, didn't. I I'm not
1: saying it's good, Dave. I, I'm <laughs> saying I, he's Garth from Wayne's World and that's all I'm seeing.
0: I'm one of the biggest Mark Rylance fans in
3: on the planet. I yeah. think he's a genius on stage. He should not have been in this
2: part. It, it, it is. I did weird. not believe
0: it for a second. I, like it I just felt this, like the the whole time I'm thinking, oh, that's Mark Rylance playing this part that he's ill suited to play. Like that was my whole reaction to that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I feel it's, like that's emblematic not. of so much of what's wrong about this movie too. Like he, I love you, Mark Rylance. I love this Relaissance that we're having right now mm, nice. um, with Spielberg. Um, but yeah, you didn't need to be here.
3: Didn't Spielberg said he would not make another movie without him? Mm.
1: Oh, did he? I heard yeah, that, and he BFG, like right? that
0: he made the BFG right he made the BFG so <laughs> I'm curious but, what, what part he's going to play in West Side Story Krupke <laughs> oh yeah Officer good
3: Krupke you really uh, yeah.
0: alright guys let's get to spoilers for Ready Player One starting right now now you for the secret. You're
1: gonna see this coming.
0: No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out.
3: Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret.
0: You want to be fooled. All right, Devendra, let's hear about yeah. this crazy geek scene. But if it rhymes I mean, with manly same, Mubrick, same. I'm going to be I pretty pissed. Know.
1: I don't. I. <laughs> I. Can, I think you're lying. I don't know, but. When they walked onto The Shining, like The Shining set, <laughs> and they walked into the Overlook Hotel, I gasped. Because I I just, like, didn't have – I was just not really feeling the movie up until that point. And that was the point where I was like, holy shit, they did actually do something interesting here by recreating the Overlook Hotel and just having these characters kind of interact with this environment. At the same time, I was thinking, is this, is this a trap? Is this – is this, like, the pop culture, like, nostalgia that's trying to, you know, rope me into this world, too, and make me think Ready Player One is a good thing? Spoilers, uh, ultimately, Yes yeah the Ultimately, whole movie should have been that i think the
3: whole movie it would have been so
1: I don't know much more that. fun if we had just hopped from hopped from being inside
3: <laughs> one movie to being inside the next movie right, and the whole right, thing right. had been this meta journey inside other movies i think that uh, could have been ridiculously I feel like fun. We,
1: we the gimmick would be even harder to stomach there but i think just the shining and the overlook hotel coming out of nowhere not really like a 80s pop culture, or even the 90s pop culture thing, it just felt so random. And, like, in a way, this, like, what you, you were saying, Dave, like, this movie feels like Spielberg just coming back and, uh, just showing people, you know, how to do action, I guess. To me, it feels like maybe he's saying to people, like, oh, you, th- you think I'm just making boring grown up movies now, right? Well, look at
0: this. Let me describe to you the emotional roller coaster I went on <laughs> while watching that scene that you described, uh-huh. because I actually uh-huh. had the same reaction as you. I thought, Oh my gosh! Are they actually gonna put these characters into the Overlook Hotel? And then yeah. you know the music comes up, and then it's like actually, yep. it looks like it's actually footage from the movie itself. I don't know how they, like, do they, it's like they did they digitally yeah, recreate the film it. You brain know, seems perfect. Yeah. It's it, it is incredible, and it's just like so, the incongruity. There's something about the audacity of the incongruity mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Um famously like Spielberg and Kubrick had like a really close relationship. I think Kubrick was supposed to direct AI
1: before he right. passed away and Spielberg yeah. took it over, right? Like the whole thing is Kubrick was saying like I can't even do this movie like this is a movie that you have to do. But yeah, they had a close relationship. Right right. right. So, so
0: so let's just say that if they're friends and they had a good working relationship like ultimately, you know, if I make a a Devinder tribute video and someone else is like after you pass away and someone else is like, well, you know, you disgrace Davindra. It's like, well, I know Davindra more than you guys. So, you know, I, I get to help right, like, right. contribute to Davindra's legacy. So I, I don't want to, like, it, if they're friends, you know. Glad like you're he, planning
1: for my death, Dave. Yeah, you know? no, I definitely am. Every day, every
0: day. But, but the thing is, like, at the same time as it's really exciting and incongruous and jarring, I also felt it was, like, kind of disrespectful to have these like mm-hmm. dumb little avatars running around in in what is widely regarded as one of the best films ever made and certainly one of the best horror films ever made and for what for no reason whatsoever like it all amounts to nothing <laughs> like it's a it's a complete Head fake. It's just like, hey, let's invent some crazy dumb excuse to have all these characters running around in the Overlook Hotel, and it all adds up to nothing. Like, if it, if they had tied mm-hmm. in the themes of The Shining somehow to the film, maybe it could have been interesting. But it's just like, oh, I, it was all it was all complete head fake for this completely unrelated zombie <laughs> game that the dude made. And it's like, what? What yeah. are you doing, movie?
1: I agree. I agree. <laughs> it does not fit together. Into anything, but what you're saying—that incongruousness, the audacity—yeah, of doing this, like how how dare you, sir? And they but showed the scene with I'm like intrigued.
0: the naked woman decomposing too. Like I was like, wow, yeah, that is it's
1: a kids movie. How yeah, in what a is kids movie, right now, that's ballsy. Uh, that's I, ballsy. I, I I was definitely astounded by the audacity to do that, and I thought the execution it didn't connect, but. I, I don't know I really enjoyed watching it uh maybe if I'm not recording this right after I saw the movie I'd have different uh, <laughs> feelings about it
0: the whole time I kept asking myself is this disrespectful you know like that that was my reaction was like this is it's like the, going
1: crazy yeah, yeah
0: The Shining is like a like in many ways like a hallowed film a very revered film and mm-hmm. it just felt like this movie kind of was shitting all over it Christy what, what were you gonna say
4: I actually just want to point out the thing. So when they get to the zombie dance number. um,
0: (laughs) The zombie dance number in the Overlook Hotel.
4: (laughs) I just want to take a moment to recognize that means that Halliday created a character version of this woman he was obsessed with. Who would be eternally tortured by being stuck dancing with zombies in the hopes that someone would uncover her and rescue her. Mm. like that is black mirror level weirdness
2: (laughs)
3: yeah i don't think we're supposed to believe that she has any kind of (laughs) she can't
4: experience
0: pain (laughs) like
2: it's it's,
4: it is a it is a virtual world she could have been a symbol she could have been like shelly uh what's her face from the movie she didn't need to be literally the woman that he screwed up the date with like it's so dark like this movie has a lot of things that drive me crazy but the treatment of women is so bizarre (laughs) Like, there is one part, we're in spoilers, so I'm just going to say it, where, like, the only real-world stake that we encounter is that Ben Mendelssohn's evil character murders what's-his-face's aunt. And when he calls him on it, he goes, you murdered my mother's sister. <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, you're you're forgetting that in the scene immediately after she dies, he experiences absolutely zero emotional reaction to it.
1: Very, very. <laughs> like, yeah, she blows I, I up, and then he's the right off to his next all. adventure.
0: You know, like right. no acknowledgement of it whatsoever.
1: I felt more for the random people who just happened to be living in that stack. Like a bunch of people died for that. <laughs> yeah, stack. yeah. You know, let's not Including forget that his
4: mother's sister. <laughs> it is just <laughs> like sure. when they said mother's sister. <laughs> this groan escaped my throat at the world premiere of that movie, where I was just like, what
1: yeah i i I thought it was almost an intentional laugh line it could be a reference to something guys because that's what this movie is so i don't know (laughs) it it could be a whole thing yeah
4: if it is i am curious please tell me on twitter if my mother's sister is supposed to be a reference to something please don't be a jerk about it
1: speaking of like relationships even the like the key romantic relationship uh between uh halliday and ogden morrow's wife he liked her, and she married this other. She married Simon Pegg's character, and but it all—it's so bizarre, Devendra. It all takes place off screen.
0: Like, yeah, they, they have like, a we physical. Never meet her. Yeah, they have a physical machine that can show you flashbacks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and they don't show any of that
1: stuff. And it's just like, it's this movie well, is the like... Well, excuse, the excuse for that, I think, is valid. Like, that could be, eh. you know, too painful for that character. But there are other ways to deal with this, yeah, and other ways, ways f- to tell us, like, what's going on.
0: Flashbacks, like, it, it just is a bizarre narrative decision to not mm-hmm. show any of that. It's like, the only exposure you have to this woman, who is a major character and a major, like, plot device, I guess, right, is right. this... Uh, tiny photo you see on the wall of uh ty sheridan's uh van thingy you know like in, in this newspaper article
1: and we see her in the Overland hotel yeah no on too. the
3: wall i'm also bothered by just the pure logistics of the tech you know <laughs> like uh, uh we we see this omnidirectional treadmill thing but right. yet in, the, in yeah. the context of the virtual world, they're leaping and twisting right. and diving, and then later on, at the very, very end, they have these harnesses attached to them, right. which would make a hell of a lot more sense if they were in the whole movie, and it felt like this <laughs> crazy 360-degree You know, We cut back to the real world a few key moments and see them doing things akin to what their characters do, but The things their characters do, like, for example, in the scene you guys just referenced where she has to leap from zombie to zombie, like, Mm -hmm. is she physically (laughs) leaping
2: in her... I was
4: more bothered by when it gets to the end and people are literally fighting VR style in the streets. How does that work? How do they yeah. not run into like a phone yeah. pole or Like, what are we doing? This world is so slapdash realized. There's all these details, yeah, but they don't mean anything. It feels so thoughtless. Like I find it so infuriating because like I love Spielberg. Like Jaws is one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time and to watch him make this, which it just seems like he's just like, yeah, this is fun. This is for the kids and at South by Southwest, when he introduced it he said this is not a film this is a movie and guys (laughs) like what that means is so gross like as if because it's not like the post I guess we're not supposed to regard it with any kind of seriousness or any kind of Criticism. And that's what I'm saying about the line that I, I called out in my tweet about, like, you know, a, a, like a gamer can always smell a hater. I'm like, oh, gross. Like, the idea that, like, we're supposed to think Ben Mendelssohn is a bad guy because he's basically like a fake geek boy, as opposed to because he murders people. Like, it seems like the focus is because he doesn't know John Hughes trivia when it's like, all right, he just murder, murdered your mother's sister. Can we maybe focus on that a little well, bit? Well, I don't think
3: I, I, <laughs> I, I'm with you up to a point, Christy, and then you keep going. And I feel like I have to say something something which is like that's not why we don't like ben Mendelssohn. i think there is a fundamental uh yes we we don't like him because he murders people that i think yeah. the movie is very clear on that but also
4: a bit there yeah but
3: also also i think the fundamental tension between these two is not who's the more authentic fan it's do we create a piece of commercial product to make money or do we create it because we think it's good Right and right. I I very very much relate to that and I think that it is some a theme in the movie that really resonated and I don't think we should short-shrift it by how clumsily it does a lot of other things like I think he the literally makes a presentation that idea. that, that uh, we mm-hmm. can monetize this and put ads in every space. Yeah. That
1: is the fundamental. You, you can fill eighty percent before they have right. a seizure. That's oh, you the mean funda- in a movie yeah.
4: where they advertise another property by Spielberg left and right with the Iron Giant and Jurassic Park? You, like it's this movie is a commercial for a bunch of other movies. That it is looks... not
3: true. It's, not, it's <laughs> this movie's intention is not to make you go watch the Iron Giant. It is a uh, crass in a different way, right? It is it is mining that nostalgia to make you feel. Good about this movie because you have already watched those, but it's not an advertisement for those movies in any stretch. Well,
0: of the I, I think th- I think the truth mm-hmm. is probably somewhere in between what you guys are saying. Which is, yeah, you're right, Jeff. It does exploit these for for the nostalgia, but I do think there is something called synergy that the uh, corporate suits (laughs) probably are uh, hoping for as well? You know, like, I I do think there is some notion of, like, oh, hey, the Iron Giant thing looks cool. I wonder what that is. Like, I I I don't don't think think that's outside the realm of possibility.
3: I would be shocked if that's the motivator. I think more likely what's happened is, rather than these being advertisements that some company would pay for, they rather had to actually pay a lot of money to get those properties in their movie. There are some, I'm sure that were that came along kit and caboodle right with the same production company but i i would guess more likely it's not hey synergy it's more like hey we got to pay you because we want to use your ip
1: hey
0: i don't know like i having having like not necessarily worked on those deals but having like experience with those deals it's usually uh, less of a um, like they pay the money to use. You know um, what's her name? Like a, there's an Overwatch girl, right? There's there's all Activision Blizzard characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. But but it's like less like oh we'll pay you so we can use that character, and it's more like Activision Blizzard says you can use this character under all these like conditions because Activision Blizzard benefits from that as well, you know? Well, fair
3: enough. I mean, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, licensing lawyer, but I will, I I don't want it to detract from my central point, which is, Mm -hmm. I do think there's some merit to the central tension of the movie between somebody who wants to create a piece of art for art's sake and somebody who wants to create a piece of art to sell it to people. And you may think that the movie is doing the thing that it 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 sets up as being evil and that's a fair criticism right Right. but i think the the fact that the movie makes that villain that kind of person is a valid villainous caricature I I,
1: i wish we spent more time kind of building up that tension though right because it's really broadly done like percival likes the oasis he just wants the key and it's uh you know the uh the lady friend Whose name Artemis, who is like the rebel or the member of the resistance and trying to stop this big corporation and everything. And I wish that tension was kind of built up better, um, just in terms of like what people want from the Oasis and what the Oasis means for the wider world. Oh, I 100% because, agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This world is so poorly constructed. Like, are we, are we just consuming the past at this point? Like people are in their VR headsets and just consuming the past. Nobody is creating anything. Well, anymore that doesn't seem to be the i case don't know what's the up very
3: first time we see the oasis it looks like a bunch of original content right that batman is peppered in but it look it, this hang gliding game looks kind of cool and this mountain climbing game well looks that's yeah
1: but those are all things being consumed by the players i'm wondering like what are what are people doing mm-hmm. you know like that's like what are people actually building things i don't know it does not set up
0: like what the stakes are of possessing mm-hmm. the oasis or anything like that right in, in an interesting way Ahead, a Christine. film
4: that had a similar concept was the congress from a few years ago which yes. is an animated film yeah. and it was the idea that if you could live in this virtual world and create a virtual avatar what would it be but it was an animated film so rather than everything looking like it had to look mm-hmm. to make all these licensing agreements because you need to real identify the characters so they can, when they get their screen time it was all this really trippy animation so characters might look like the robot from metropolis or might look like groucho marx or whatever or tom you, cruise Right, 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 right. could never license his... Yeah. Yeah, and you would know that, like, it was, like, caricatures of them. So it mm-hmm. did inform the world because it was still, like, within this same visual plane. And then on top of that, it gave a sense of this world where people were so escaping themselves that they wanted to pretend they were Tom Cruise, that they wanted to pretend right, right, they were the right. robot from Metropolis. And it, like, in, it, was, it was commenting on how we use avatars and how we use art to to rep- represent like to present ourselves to the world. I don't think this film actually cares at all about that yeah. because the only characters we interact with are ones who have like created their own avatars and those <laughs> avatars aren't particularly that interesting. Yeah, like, they and, don't tell us that much. And also, percent with
0: all of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agreed as well, Christy. I mean, I think there's that scene where Artemis says, "You know, you haven't seen me in real life. Like, you'd be really disappointed." And we see her in real life, and she's like, she's like this beautiful creature in the game, and we see her in real life, and she's a beautiful woman in real life with a slightly above average size birthmark. Like, mm-hmm. uh yeah. it's like it's supposed if to be. If you were a
4: big... Wes Anderson heroine, hundred percent fine. <laughs> it, it's, but because it's this, <laughs> we're supposed to think that Wade is really deep because he loves her anyway. He right. loves
0: her anyway because of this like horrifyingly disfiguring birthmark that she has on her face. I mean, it, 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 and he it's... falls
1: in love with her based on
3: absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah,
1: she's so good at pop culture. He's seen mm-hmm. all her Twitch streams. <laughs> He's read all her walkthroughs. Come on, I yeah, agree. I agree love. with you
0: that like, yeah, that. uh <laughs> It's such an unexplored territory of, like, right. why we choose the avatars we choose. And, like, the, the movie doesn't get into that at all. And then the, uh, I mean, we haven't even talked about the ultimate message of the film, which is spend more time outside. I mean, the movie has just spent two-plus hours showing you this crazy, spectacular, colorful, fun adventure that, theoretically, you would want to go on with your friends. And the message of the movie is spend more time in this shitty place that's not nearly as cool as that.
3: Well, we don't know exactly how shitty the place is. Right? We don't have yeah. any context that's what I'm for saying. what the, yeah. o- <laughs> the Oasis has done. It, I mean, Yes, the, I 100% agree. I mean, I, I did not think this movie was great, so I, I feel like I'm the only one that's de- <laughs> said anything in defense of it, but I'm not on the page of it being good. I totally agree with all the stuff you guys were saying about the lack of world building and the lack of understanding anything about what's going on, e- even in the Oasis. Like, right. it is... There's no understanding of of how all, any of that stuff works. There's some cool rules that we get about what happens to, to you when you die, and we get a little bit of a hint about how items work, but there's as – a, as a person who right. plays video games, there's so much to be mined there about all of that rule stuff that could make for really interesting interactions and a complete missed opportunity in my opinion about being able to, to pop out to the real world in moments and undercut the – the drama of what's going on for comic relief or to show like what, what it actually would look like if you were doing all those things in a virtual world and what that might mean for a a society where a bunch of people are like being silly. So many details of this that are just ignored and we're just
0: supposed to accept as, well, that's just how things work. Many missed opportunities. I agree with you completely, completely,
1: Jeff. Well, weirdly the book did do some of that better, which I I thought I'd never say. Yeah, but yeah, the book did at least establish like, oh, you know, by the way, we're all going to school in the Oasis. You know, we're all yeah. going to work in the Oasis. Like everything is happening in the Oasis, and it presented a mm. wider idea that the world is like basically went to shit.
0: Yeah, speaking speaking of the world, like uh, that ending, I thought was pretty disastrous. I mean, <laughs> the idea that he's okay. First of all, he he gets on the Oasis intercom, which I don't recall that ever being introduced. Uh, <laughs> it's like now he can talk to everyone in the Oasis. Okay, I guess. I mean, fine. He gives this vague speech about rebelling against uh, IOI, and yeah. and everyone just gets it. it's terrible. Yeah, it's bad. Like it's <laughs> it's like there's no. It's it's not a a it's not a particularly inspiring speech. But b like there is not enough setup of like why people would actually want to join him on this fight. You know. Right. 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 The
3: idea too that they could fool Ben Mendelsohn into thinking he was. <laughs> outside of the Oasis when you literally have something on your face. Now, I've been in some very immersive VR <laughs> experiences, but I've never not been aware something was still on my face
0: or not, you know? They were foiled by don't... having a, like, leaving a mirror on his chair, Jeff.
1: Yeah, which is, wow, what a great video game that it uh, Don't make render Yeah, render that Chrome every... reflection is <laughs> yeah. so great. Awesome. I do have to say, uh, Dave, last week or earlier today as we're recording this, mm-hmm. uh, you spent a lot of time talking about how dumb Pacific Rim Uprising was. And I have to say, like, this movie, it definitely hit me more in the dumbest shit. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's happening. Because, like, in this movie, Dave, like, our our big boss will have his password (laughs) written down, right, (laughs) his uh, VR chair. And, okay, fine. I actually can accept people will do that because I have seen CEOs and presidents and people, like, I've seen people do that who shouldn't be doing that because you're in charge of high-level data. I thought that was pretty but, funny, actually. Yeah, but even after he realized it was, uh, it, oh, they took my password, he crumples up the paper. Does not change his password. So, girl <laughs> can just walk in, literally just walk into his unsecure office, sit in his chair, which I guess no biometrics, just needs a password um, that he yeah. didn't change, and control everything there. And meanwhile, when she escapes... <laughs> because somehow, yeah, they're not monitoring this girl who is labeled with the number of a suit from their own organization, <laughs> but he can't find her. Dave, this is what I'm talking about, as dumb as shit. You're talking also, about Pacific Uprising. <laughs> nothing in this situation makes sense. Also, okay? we've established a world
3: in which uh, your whole body is mapped into a game. You need a omnidirectional treadmill to run yep. around and do things. And yet, he has a chair? Yeah, he's like a big ball <laughs> chair. So how does the chair know that I'm walking? He
1: just thinks it.
0: yeah, power. yeah. It's it's pretty rough movie, guys. Pretty rough movie.
4: <laughs> but so confusing. And then it's like even in when when like Ben Mendelson, evil you know fake geek or whatever is in the Oasis. Evil fake He's geek. basically just like him, but like muscly. <laughs>
1: It's like it's, evil Clark Kent. That's what it looks like.
4: Right. Like it's just him. so... It's just like... It's like, I, I don't know, the most in-your-face way to be like, see, he has no imagination.
1: Like, cool. <laughs> he he just like, picked a stock character, I bet. I bet he didn't even customize that avatar. Right. Like,
4: it's such a low-hanging fruit. I don't yeah. know. I but, just, but guys, later
0: on, Ben Mendelssohn sees the wonder of the Easter egg and then decides not to kill this guy who's being tried to kill the whole movie. Yeah. So he, so, he yeah. is... He does have some growth. I'm being sarcastic. I think it was pretty, I
1: pretty lame. I also don't know what T.J. Miller was doing in this movie. Like, it may be because we're a little tired of his, of his shtick now, and maybe there's more stories around like how much of a not great dude he is. Um, but also, like, the shtick was not even working. Like, whatever yeah. the banter he was creating for this, like I, I, I did, liked
3: it. I thought that was fine. I it thought it was
1: fine. I think tonally, it was completely left field uh, of what the film was doing. And even then, like, I think they could make it fit better, but it felt like improv where Spielberg will like give him a timer. It's just like, do your thing. And like, yeah. we're not even going to work to fit it in or something. I'm, no, fair enough. I'm,
3: I guarantee you all that was scripted, but did anybody else notice that Ty Sheridan looks like a really young Steven Spielberg?
4: Oh hmm.
1: man. Yeah. No. I, that I, bums I, me I...
4: out.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I just don't like the idea that it's like, is that what it took? It was just like, Oh yeah, he's fine. Like, yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I, uh,
3: also, I the think... logic of Simon Pegg's character is completely insane.
2: <laughs> yes,
3: like he he spends all day pretending to be the custodian. Like he yeah. literally logs into the game. It's been ten years and people, or four years or whatever it is, <laughs> and people people come in there. You th- theoretically people came in there hundreds and hundreds of times, right? And now nobody comes in there, but he still every day puts on the. VR goggles and pretends sits and waits for people to come in or, uh, uh, or does he get some sort of notice? Like he gets a, uh, an alert on his phone yeah, when sure. someone logs in, he's like, Oh fuck. Sorry guys. I gotta,
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I gotta leave this dinner bed, right now. Maybe
4: that's like, that's now that's how he spends his time. There's a lot of weird, sad, tragic nonsense. Uh, I just wish that this had, had endeavored to say something interesting about fan culture, but I feel like it's dealing with fan culture and like geek culture on a very surface level. Yeah. And feels like that's good enough. And I mean, I'm sure that there are people who are going to have a fun time with it. I feel like if you like the book, you might like this. And if you just enjoy playing kind of a Where's Waldo with references, then this is fine for that. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people are super excited to sit and pick out all the references. You, you wanted something more, man. right? I expect yeah. more, yeah. Like, right. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing I said when the post came out. Like, it was fine. But, like, it's Spielberg. Like, I understand that he's 71 and he's still directing. That's great. But I still want him blowing my mind. I don't want, and I, like, I have not been really blown away by a Spielberg movie in years now. And that's such a bummer.
0: I had already jumped off the movie train quite a, quite a while before the ending. But when they got to that ending and the the big reveal is, by the way, the true Easter egg is friendship, I just was like, this movie is so freaking terrible. Like, and we like,
3: don't know anything about their relationship. We don't know anything
0: their... about that relationship, and like, as far as we know, it probably could have been like pretty bad.
3: Yeah, we um, we assume it's bad because the one dude is married <laughs> to the other dude's love of his life. Yeah, like, it's that it, seems like a dysfunctional and,
0: relationship, and, and it's like, oh, but really, like, what he wanted was like, the, like the the friendship with you was the most important. It's like that is not set up at all. You should go to stripped jail for this. Whoever wrote this, yeah. you know what I mean. Like this is terrible. <laughs> anyway,
3: okay. And and also the we can't I can't not say the the thing which is, um, <laughs> the last time we see Halliday, we he asks him he says you you're not just a you're not just a recording or something like you're more than just a, a right. avatar. Like what? What? What the yeah. fuck are we supposed to think is that it's about? Are you <laughs> it's really like an dead
1: or something? But it's like You're that's really a really dead, dumb, yes, data, stupid. yeah. But he's it, like a scanned yeah.
0: consciousness of validity. Was my, mm-hmm. is my interpretation?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're going full Black Mirror. Yeah. yeah.
3: By the way, if you know anything about how game design works, one guy made the biggest <laughs> VR game in the history of everything, <laughs> and also had time to pioneer downloading his consciousness into a video game. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Gotcha. his final thing yeah shout gotcha. out by the way to hannah john cayman in this movie who plays finale zandor every <laughs> time he said finale i'm like what what do you say what's her <laughs> name finale no it's <laughs> finale finale zandor that mm. is a good character name i actually enjoyed uh she's from killjoys and she's been in a bunch of like uh tv shows and some films um that she's character, in black mirror actually we, yeah she's in Can black I- mirror That character did absolutely nothing, but I thought she brought a lot of presence to that nothing role. Can I tell you how much I
3: hated the group of characters that we become familiar with that are just sitting around working on the problems for the (laughs) evil corporation, but have become this like jolly group of people working on the problem? Like every time we checked in (laughs) on them...
1: I hated them. And at one point, they start rooting for our heroes, who is effectively going to make them, yeah, unemployed.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Very confused. Why did you hate them so much, Jeff? Oh,
3: they're like faux dialogue about figuring things out and how it was all staged. It just, it, it was the most hokey. And then we always, for some reason, they always shot the one guy directly straight on the camera when he would be like, he failed. He he got it, or that that one character that was like in a in a sweater vest that was like st- right. always shot straight onto the camera.
1: Oh man! Yeah, I feel like they should have cast Andrew Daly in that crowd, like just to lead that group because that's what it, it felt like. It felt like a support group, or like a user group from like review or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well,
0: I think we have completely dismantled this movie, and I still had fun with it. Like despite the all with that.
3: Yeah. I had some fun with it, and and I gotta say, there were there were I walked out of the screening uh, next to a couple of guys who were just a buzz about how right. much they loved it, yeah. and they they walked up and were getting their parking validated, and the guy goes, "How was it?" and and the guy goes, "Best Spielberg movie ever." <laughs>
4: oh wow, Christy, like,
0: that is, like th- is stuff true. like hearing stuff like that yeah. like. You know, Christy, you and I probably thought this movie had almost no redeeming qualities, right?
4: Yeah. I I hate it. I never want to watch it or think about it again.
0: Nor I. And it's just like, (laughs) you hear people say they love it, and it's like, Uh, am I taking crazy?
4: (sighs) Okay. I'm mystified that people love it, but like, I'm glad for them. I mean, like, honestly, I like, if you love this, cool. I, I I don't, I like, you know, that's kind of the whole thing about movies. We're all bringing our own stuff to it. And if someone watched this and got to, you know, experience joy and stuff out of it, great. That's awesome. Uh, I just, I don't get it. You're, I mean, you guys can
3: take solace in the fact that by its very nature, it is utterly disposable film. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You don't forget it as soon as you leave the theater. Shout out to the guy sitting next to me who would stick his hand up and point at the screen at every single reference. To <laughs> wow. I'm like, yeah, that's the movie, guy. Just just stop. <laughs> you see what's happening.
4: One of my favorite, and I've told DaVinja this story before, but once uh, I went to go see Finding Neverland once, and the man who was sitting immediately in front of my husband and I explained the wife to his movie the entire time at full volume. <laughs> explain the, explain the, so, the movie to his wife, you mean? Explain the movie to his <laughs> wife. Guys, it's almost, uh, it's 1.30 in the morning here. Um, I just he, like the idea. He's
3: like, hey, movie. She doesn't movie. understand me. Thank my wife. We have this horrible um, relationship movie. Do you understand <laughs> How, what I'm going through every night? I come home.
4: Yeah. Like, he was like, there's the part where, um, you know, the little boy comes over and he's like, hello, I'm Peter. And the guy literally at full volume says to his wife, Peter, like Peter Pam. And it was like the entire movie was like that. Mm. So, yeah, um, well, I have a feeling there's you know going to be a Christine, lot of those guys at this movie.
3: That has happened to me performing live theater. And it's a joy when you are standing on stage performing a theater piece, uh, a play, and uh, you hear somebody turn around and go, that's his husband. That's,
0: the <laughs> one. that's She doesn't understand what he's saying or whatever. My
4: mother know. loves the theater, Jeff. I don't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I think we should wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to do the outros. I'll just say find more episodes <laughs> you know find of this those. podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from uh, filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Next week, we'll be reviewing A Quiet Place. A Quiet <coughs> Place. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah. That, something like that would get you killed in that movie, Jeff. I
4: know. Or, do that.
0: Was that Christy or Jeff that coughed? <laughs>
4: It was me. It okay, was me. Christine. And I've seen a quiet perfect place. Time. I yeah, know. I know how yeah. dangerous yeah. it is.
0: Uh, I will not be here. I will be in the French Riviera, probably uh, sunbathing nude. So. <laughs> Thank
1: you for that image.
0: You're welcome. Right. You're
1: welcome. I'm going to file that away. And
0: <laughs> I will catch you guys in a few weeks. But uh, yeah, uh, appreciate you guys doing the show without me. Thanks for listening to this podcast, the official podcast of slashhome.com.
2: We're out.
3: the back